Hi everyone, welcome to the Tradies Success Podcast. I'm here with Tash Taylor from Lang O'Rourke. Thanks for joining us, Tash. No worries, thank you so much for having me. Today we're going to be talking about how you as a business owner in the trade and construction industry can take a medium-sized business approach. Um, Tash at uh, uh, Lang O'Rourke works with small and medium-sized enterprises to develop um, great programs to include, uh, and I'll let you talk to this, Tash, uh, around the different things that you can do as a business owner to, to enhance your leadership skills. So maybe just kick us off, Tash, with the different things that you really work towards with the people um, in the different businesses so that they can improve their leadership in the companies. Great. Thanks, Greg. So, yeah, I work for Leno Rock. We are a tier one construction company. Um, as part of our, I guess, offering, we do a lot of big uh, projects. Uh, we're talking billions of dollars uh, through government. And generally with that, we try to engage as many small to medium-sized enterprises as we can in supply chain to, to share the love. Um, and my job is really to work with those um, small to medium-sized businesses to increase their capability and capacity. So they're generally coming on to a big tier one uh, project where there's thousands of people and it might be their first time and we're throwing them with things that a tier one needs to do but also we're asking our supply chain to do. And that's really around a whole bunch of things from health and safety, um, sustainability, modern slavery, social procurement, um, developing their people and obviously that brings a new skill set um, to perform at a different level that they might have previously. So it's really exciting. I get a huge kick out of seeing businesses come in and just see the growth that they have and sometimes that growth has been exponential um, in times of even just resources that have joined them and yeah, their capability and capacity. Yeah, how cool. And I, and I can hear you guys that are listening going, oh my God, is that something I have to consider? as a small business. And I think having it in your mind and understanding that, you know, this is going to help you be a more inclusive business and, and help people in your team really perform at their best every single day. And I know I work with, you know, I've worked with over a thousand, um, really closely over a thousand trade business owners. And I understand those, the development uh, struggles we have with teams and making sure that it's fair across the board. And especially around health and safety as well and making sure that they're feeling protected, they've got the right processes in place. Um, so all of those are, are really, really important. So maybe we could walk us through uh, what the process is. When someone comes on board uh, with Lango Rock, what would be the, the process to you know, pretty much discover exactly where they're at as a business and maybe a game plan to move towards where they need to be to be suitable for these large projects? Yeah, so I mean, the first thing is we obviously invite them to, to tender um, and they submit their submission for, you know, a, a package of work. And that could be, you know, yep. 50000 or it could be a million dollars. So for us, I guess it's assessing, um, there's a whole bunch of questions that they have to sort of su submit as part of that submission. And that is really around all those areas like, you know, what is your health and safety standards? Talk us about your sustainability strategy. Um, talk us through what your workforce looks like. Um, you know, who, what that diversity is, apprentices, trainees, whatnot. So through that submission, generally sort of the heads of department or function on that project will do an assessment and, and we rate them basically. And that's how we then determine who we're going to award that contract with. At that point in time, we do what's called a, a, a kickoff meeting to, to sort of run them through the scope, introduce them to the key players that are going to help support them. And through that conversation, you start to get a better assessment of, I guess, 
what their level of capability is in, in each of those areas. So post that, generally we'll sort of have a one-on-one. And for me, with, with my role of workforce development, industry participation and, and people, it's really about, okay, talk me through your team. What does that look like? Where are your gaps? What do you need help in from a resourcing perspective, from an upskilling perspective? Who are sort of your growth leaders? And what can I do and tap into in terms of training development? Because there's that much on offer uh, with a lot of the governments uh, and funding and things like that. We might help support them, but also provide that coaching and mentoring while they're on our project with us to, to build that capability and capacity. Amazing. So you're sort of looking at the end in mind and then you're working backwards from there, like identifying that where they are today with the end in mind, this is where we need you to be. And these are the things that we need to put in place to get you there. 100%. 100%. And the great thing is the way that, you know, there's a lot to do and sometimes can be really overwhelming for these micro and small businesses, but it's that next tender you right? you can talk about all the great stuff that you've done and that's going to then put you in a better position moving forward for your win ratio moving forward too. Amazing. Cool. So we've got a lot of people out there might be asking like, yeah, I'd love to get into doing tenders and getting into the bigger construction jobs. What are some tips and some strategies and some things that you look for when you sort of look through these tenders? What's something that stands out and how do you get a high ranking? Maybe we could go through each of those points for the people listening in. Okay, um, look, take the time, put a really polished tender together. Um, I know everyone's busy, but sometimes, you know, we, we see handwritten bits and pieces. That is definitely So, So type it up. Um, you know, with Canva and all sorts of tools out there now, you can you make your submission look really slick. Um, what we look for is obviously, you know, your, your construction methodology, really well written. Obviously, pricing is a big component to it. But I think it's really about demonstrating where you've done things before um, and what that experience is and how you can apply that onto to this project. Um, yes. It, it's taking the time. I've seen lots of um, responses back for the workforce development social procurement space and they just write NA all the time or not applicable or anything like that. That actually has a weighting on, you know, your application. So my, my biggest thing is answer all the parts. Yeah, and and if if you don't do it now, you know, right, you know, we we have zero, you know, women in leadership or whatever, but we're willing to work with you to, you know, to increase that. So I think that growth mindset in terms of you want to build your business looks favourable because we, as a sort of a T one, can help support you to get there if if you're willing to do that. Yeah, through the programs that you're running. So yeah, so effect so effectively, NA stands for didn't try. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So go through each of the questions and, you know, make sure that you're really demonstrating. It's almost giving testimonials and, and going through different projects and connecting. You know, I've read through the brief. I understand exactly what this job's about because of these reasons. I've worked on these projects in the past and I think we can success successfully uh, complete this project within the you know pricing uh, and uh, time deadlines or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. So a lot of people go... Oh, just I'm just not cheap enough. I'm being cut off, you know, cut off by the knees. Anyone's coming in and just going in super cheap at the moment. What would you say to a statement like that? Um, <laughs> big sigh. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't think people. I mean, uh, there's obviously some that do go in cheap, but but price isn't everything, right? At the end of the day, we want everyone to come to work and leave safely. 
um, that have the right experience, that have the right leadership capabilities to lead a team on a big project. And price is a big component, but it's it's definitely not everything. And I think if you really are worried about that, I think, you know, reach out to the person that sent you the invitation to tender and have a chat to them prior to submitting about what your concerns are. And they might be able to provide you some guidance. Um, there's a lot of industry um, networks like the ICN and things like that. So there's a lot of people out in the industry that can probably help support and answer some of those um, questions in terms of what you might be concerned with of that pricing. But <sighs> pricing is one part, but it's definitely not everything. Yeah. And, and going too far doesn't always get you the cheapest result later because generally there'll be a lot of variations and whatnot later. Um, so, so price reasonable to, to what you can deliver. Yeah. Such a good point. And, um, you know, you're underpriced and you're over, yeah, you're under, you know, can under deliver, but also not get the profit, which can put you out of business. So we've got to make sure that you're pricing for profit, uh, because it's a win-win that way. Um, and you know, yeah. So what I'm, uh, my brain's going towards this thing of like, how do we really drill this down into a really micro level? So if we look at most trade business owners out there, they're like under three staff, right? So they're, they're really small and yeah. a lot of them are sole traders. And so if they were to go out to a mum's and dad's job, they'll, they'll go out there and they'll say, oh, well, this is what I've got to do. Or it might be a small business, a renovation or a fit out for a commercial building, but they'll go through and they'll go, all right, yeah, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. Make a list, price it and send it. So what I'm loving about this conversation is that there's, there's a whole process of bullet points that we can really demonstrate our capability to our clients um, rather than just sending a list with a price at the bottom, you know, so, and most quotes, and I'm sure most of you listening to this would probably have just a list of items that you're doing or just a list with words and then a price at the bottom. And so imagine if you could transform your, you know, proposals to your clients, having how you're capable and how this really how you have, you know, previous history of succeed, successfully completing jobs like this in the past. Um, such a such a exciting uh, conversation around that. So if we were to break that down, how could we, uh, for a micro-sized business, uh, how do you think that adding safety, adding, you know, previous work and the elements that you look for in the, in, you know, the um, enterprise level, like how do we make sure that they... Um, those elements could be put into a, a small job, for instance. Yeah, I mean, I think for a small job, if you're putting an, a, a quote together, it's, maybe it's a one page, you might just have another one pager, which kind of highlights some of the key things that makes your business stand out differently. What are the key yeah. achievements, you know, in terms of Green Star or any awards or anything like that you've had? Um, I actually met with a business uh, earlier this week and their capability statement blew me away. It was a couple of pages, so it doesn't need to be that long. But they really talked about their people and how they nurture and care and they celebrated their achievements and it kind of put on the heartstrings, right? So I'm a homeowner. If I saw that for a plumber or a painter, I'd probably want to hire them as well. So I think yeah. showing that human piece as well is, is really important for a small business owner. So yeah, look, two-page quote, one of your pricing, one of, I guess, you know, talk about your safety you know, no lost time injuries or how you go about safety, ensuring that, you know, uh, all your team is safe, the, the home and the people that are going to be there and maybe how you go about your work, you know, we will clean up after ourselves. All those little things I think matter. 
and then maybe talk a little bit about your team and what some of their achievements are. Yeah, that's a massive upgrade for every proposal and quote. And it's once you've written it once, it could be you know, duplicated across every single one you do. 100%. You don't have to reinvent that. Like that then becomes, I guess, your vision, your mission, you know, your value statement. Yeah. So you just attach that to to your pricing quote. And, and yeah, I think that might set those small businesses apart very much. Yeah, love it. So good. All right, coming back to proposals, I want to hear the goss. What are some of the, you said that someone submitted something in handwriting. So um, what's some of the, you know, don't do's? Let's talk about don't do this. It's just pretty much going to be thrown away <laughs> if we see this. Don't do this when you're tendering. Yeah, don't not answer the question. Don't leave it blank. Don't write NA. Um, if, if you don't have that, write, you know, zero. Like if we ask you, you know, uh, for these big jobs, we might ask you, you know, how many apprentices do you have? You might write not applicable or anything like that. Put a little bit more yeah. wording around why that's not applicable. Um, yeah. Or, you know, j- just I, I see a lot that are just NA. And you get zero because it's a waiting component. So everything that you submit as a proposal on a big contract has a waiting to it. So the more you put in, the better your offering of getting a positive score. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Answer the question so, is the big one. Yeah. Answer the question. Great. What's some other things that you've seen that were like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like, that You tell your friends about it. We want the goss. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know. I, I think it's just taking that pride. Yeah. You know, getting a proposal for a, a big thing where it's, it's handwritten, you know, it, as long as I answer the questions, I guess everyone's busy, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like nothing, nothing too bad in, in terms of that but it's just make the effort you, you, you basically it's your first impression so make yeah. a positive yeah. impression of, of what you and your business can um can offer okay cool so moving to the next stage you actually get accepted you did your job you answered every question you got a good waiting you got you got the job and you get that um yeah congratulations email uh next stage we're moving into the onboarding so What's some things that people can do to really impress and demonstrate uh, an eagerness and a growth mindset around like how to be onboarded properly? And will that, like, and having that, will that lead to more ongoing work in the future because of the relationship built? So maybe we can go through some of those tips um, for the people that do get accepted to tender and how to really work with the contractor to work on that. I think really take the time to understand the the principal contractor intern. A lot of um, tier ones and whatnot have their own like safety systems in the place. So if we sort of say, you know, you will abide by our safety systems, most of those systems are online for everyone to sort of access. So go in and have a look at our standards, go and look at how we operate so that when you come to that kickoff meeting, you've got a really good understanding of, of how we go to work. Um, and there's all these all these tips and things like that on those safety management systems that you can apply in your own workplace as well to help build your capability and capacity in that space. So have a look at the tools that are available to you for the principal contractor, understand who we are and really have an understanding of who the actual client is as well um, is key and what the project. Um, I think then when you get into the room and it can be quite intimidating, um, you might be a small business of two or three and you are literally met with probably 20 people in a room sometimes from all the, dis- all the other disciplines. Um, yeah. I have seen this with like a scaffolding company. There's three of them and there was like 15 of us. Um, 
but we're, we're there to support you. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's just being not defensive. Sometimes you can be so overwhelmed with all the things that we're asking our small businesses to do is to not be defensive. Like it's okay if you don't know. It's okay if you don't have that in place. You're going to be working with us and we work really closely with our supply chain to make sure that, you know, we're doing all the right balances. So be totally okay to go, you know what, I don't know anything about Green Star, ISCAR, um, anything like that in terms of sustainability, environmental law, or anything that we're talking about, be humble, I guess, to go, you know what, I need some help with that. Can we catch up later? That, such shows, point. Yeah. that shows such good growth mindset as a leader that you're also willing to be coached and mentored in areas that you might not be fully exposed with. Yeah, such a good point. And it's, you know, it's, it, I think that's a big problem we do have in the construction industry, especially being a masculine primarily and, and people being like, I just, I can do it myself. I can do it. You know, I've, I do everything right, you know, and having this mindset of like, I don't need to improve, you know, and having that fixed mindset doesn't allow you to receive, you know, constructive criticism, which would actually result in you being better uh, in the future as a result. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that point so much. All right. Um, so moving on to leadership skills. So I'd love to hear how you work with the leaders to ensure that they are leading the teams to get the result. Like, so obviously everything that we do is a result results-based. We need to be able to finish the construction successfully on time to budget. Uh, how do we train the leaders uh, and what are some of the things that you think are, you know, absolutes for a leader? To, to have in terms of uh, behaviours and mindsets themselves? Yeah. Um, look, strong leadership, I think, for me, is really about um, having a clear vision and being decisive in how you want to go to work. For me, that really creates followership where you want to work for that leader. So yeah. here's the job, here's how we're going to do it, really crystal, crystal clear communication and you know show that drive and i think people then were like right this person knows what they're doing we're going to go in that direction communication as i said multiple times be out with your team don't win the job and you go off somewhere else and let them be in the trenches with them um you get to know your team very well you can help coach and mentor while you're at it i think the other big thing is though trust trust is massive and giving them a safe space to fail and a safe space to speak up. So from a safety point of view, you know, if you see something wrong or you've got that gut intuition, if you have that safe space within your team, they're going to feel really comfortable to, to call stop. Um, mm. So I think that safe, trusting environment is, is paramount. I think giving people the opportunity to, to work how they want to work in a framework is massive so you've obviously got all these different requirements of you know yeah i keep going on about safety but but there's certain things you've got to do in a framework but allowing them to get to the end that how they want to they're going to feel more successful more that they've had their own way of doing it and go home feeling good as opposed to you doing it wrong you're doing this wrong you need to do it my way it's, it's not the way anymore so yeah that that's really big for for me um, otherwise, I think it creates so it's a framework over SOP sort of thing. So, like, yeah, yeah, allowing them to be able to be creative and change the way they do it because they think it's more efficient and potentially it is sometimes. Yeah, you might be the boss, cool. but allow them to 
to speak up, suggest different ways of doing things, you know, really drive you know, innovation and, and listening to your team. Mm-hmm. So, so important. So with a, with that comment that you said around like be with your team, I know some business owners, obviously your and end leaders are, are overwhelmed with the amount of stuff they've got to do across and they might be running multiple projects and at the same time. So in those scenarios, is it best to have a leader on site uh, so a foreman, and and we see that person as the person that the, you know, the tradespeople, the apprentices have that leadership relationship with, and then that tier. So we've got tiers of leadership effectively. Is that what yeah. the model that you like to see? If you're a big enough business, absolutely. I mean, I understand if you you want to three and 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 whatnot, and you're on small different jobs, you can't always be there. But I think if that's the case. Um, just checking in and communication. Do you need anything? Is everything going okay? You know, yeah. I'm there if you need yeah. anything. Opening those open channels of communication probably provides that more comfort for people to reach out if there is an issue. So, mm. but but yes, if you are sort of a a, a small to medium sized business and you can have a formal or super um, supervisor on site, creating that tiered structure of leadership is is great. I also think it's a benefit for the employees as well that they've and then got um, different layers of leadership that they can go talk to um, should they should they need to. Should need to. Yeah, 100%. Very good. Um, so in terms of the bigger construction projects, uh, what, do, what do you see as some of the big things that will cause a disruption throughout the project? So, so as the project's moving along, and you're obviously working with these teams and you're trying to get them to do the right thing, but I'd imagine one of the things is non-compliance, but like how, how do we make sure that a project goes well? What do you think the key criteria are so a successful project? Yeah, uh, clear vision, clear direction of how we're going to get to the end and communication. You've got so many different disciplines on a project. You've got your project delivery, commercial procurement, sustainability, environmental, communications, workforce development, HR, your trades, your apprentices, the client, all of those need to communicate and be on the same page. Um, so I think having regular meetings um, is key to talk about the works that are coming up. So on most big projects, we generally have a morning kickoff. We do our stretches. We talk about the work that's going to happen for the day. So so clear guidance and instructions and communication, I think, is paramount to be able to deliver on a, on a big project. Yep. Yep. Cool. Awesome. And what are some of the things that would, if you, if you weren't having that like clear communication, what are some of the things that are likely to happen as a result? Oh, so I don't do this. What's some yep. problems? Uh, incidents, right? You know, people potentially are going to be operating a piece of plant or something like that in the not the right way, so not understanding the, the way about going about doing the work. But then also if you do the work and it's incorrect, there then comes cost, time, program to rectify that as well. Um, and, and, you know, depending on who's at fault of that, that could become a, a cost back down to the small business that's part of the supply chain potentially. So, yeah, yeah it, it can have some pretty significant consequences. Amazing. Yeah, it's such a good point. Um, so is there anything else that you feel is extremely important for contractors, you know, and business owners and leaders to understand uh, to not only win a tender, um, 
have a successful job and get paid without complaint and without problems um, that we haven't spoken about today. I'd love to hear if there's anything else that you're passionate around talking or just a wrap. Um, I'd love to hear it. I think relationship building is is massive. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of, especially on big government contracts, there's a lot of like supply chain forums, um, procurement forums where we talk about what is the project, what are the different packages that we're going to be procuring in the next six or 12 months. Come along to those things, get involved with the industry in terms of these working groups, build those connections. Um, the tier ones are there to, to help support. So build those relationships, get as much info out of them. Um, you know, there's, in term, there's there's lots of bid writing workshops through different agencies as well that you can do. So really honing those skills and, and building those relationships, I think, is massive for, for growth of, of any business owner, no matter what size they are. And where, where can they get uh, people find out about those workshops and those forums and, and those meetings that they can come to? Very, very good question. Um, look, there's probably not a one-size-fits-all with because every probably principal contractor goes about it differently, but um, there is the um, ICN, which is a gateway um, that a lot of uh, Tier 1 sort of put their packages up to procure so you can find out what's going on. Um, subscribe to um, Tier 1 social media, LinkedIn and things like that. They might advertise when they're having those. Um, yep. And then, you know, even if you get invited to a tender and you can't tender for that specific um, package of work at that time, just saying to the person in procurement, you know, I'd be really keen to stay in touch. Can you let me know when there's other opportunities or, or other forums that are available? Amazing. Yeah, great tips. All right, Tash, thank you so much for your time and uh, really appreciate all the tips and the encouragement to the, the members out there. Uh, thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, Greg.